Hello, everybody. Hello, guys. If you're visiting with us today, good morning. Like, well, good morning to everyone, but particularly, I hope you feel right at home. Met some wonderful ladies this morning who live over the road, and they walk here on a Sunday morning to come and join us. So, big welcome to you, glamorous grannies. It's really so good to have you guys with us. Okay, I'm going to get beaten. So guys, if you're visiting with us, we are halfway through, well, even if you aren't visiting, we're also still halfway through, but I just, to intro, so that you know where we are. We like to preach preaching series in this church. We don't popcorn, uh, you know, whatever we feel like and try and just deal with social issues from the pulpit. We believe in God's word and believe in preaching the truth of God's word. We want to grow from everything that God says to us. And look at each of the, um, look at the truths of God's word, no matter how tough they are, and look for a way to apply them, because we want to be built according to God's pattern. We've often said that the church is not the church of any one person. We called it Center Church because we just needed something, you know, where are you going on Sunday? We needed a, a something to name it, or if we just said the church would be a bit ambiguous, um, but really, it is the church of Jesus. As everything that we build, we want to build according to his pattern. We don't want a person's name on it. We don't want a person's fingerprints on it. We want Jesus' name on the church. And one of the things we've been talking about recently is just so much. It seems like, especially post-COVID and all this sort of stuff, Jesus wants his church back, and he's had enough of people claiming his bride for themselves. Church leadership, um, but also Christians just looking at the church as a, uh, a service provider. You know, Jesus wants his bride. He loves her so much. And so today I'm a preaching uh, around an interesting topic. If you like, next week we have got the privilege of having Peter Bell with us. So during InReach, we have some of our friends come in and preach from outside. So Pete Bell is one of the voices into this church. Um, and so Peter will be... Um, Peter will be preaching with us next week, and then the week after that, it'll be Kerry. It's a like, sneak preview this morning. And Duff won't be able to pull her off the stage, because that'll be her moment, bro. And, then, and she's going to tell all the stories, right, of everything that happens behind the scenes. So, kids, just add that one to the, yeah, just. And then after that, to wrap up the series, we've got a good friend of ours, Gertjan, who's coming out from Holland. Gertjan and Leah, they lead a church there. So, Cindy and I minister in that church, and they're coming out to spend some time with us on the weekend. So it's going to be a great series, like really God speaking to us. And I trust during this time your hearts are open and going, Lord, what are you saying to me? One of the things I often say to people is, um, well, guys ask, like, what do you do when someone preaches? Because, like, you know, do you take notes? Do you listen? Like, how do you make the most of it? Well, you don't need to take all the notes down. I, I don't need a PA. Um, I've already got my notes here. I think one of the things that's really helpful is when someone's preaching, it's just, God, what is the thing that you're saying to me today? And make a note of that and pray into that thing during the course of the week. Lord, take that thing and change me. Make me more like you. Keep it nice and simple. And so I'd like to talk about the greatest commandment today. So I, I thought to kind of preface today's sermon um, you can turn so long in Matthew, to Matthew chapter 22, that's where Jesus talks about it. But I was kind of wondering, it, it's so often that we have these texts or these stories that we read, David and Goliath, and 
what are the other, you know, all the popular stories or whatever that we grew up, the Prince of Egypt, Joseph, and all the different things. And we kind of read through them. And the greatest commandment, many Christians would be able to say, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like the first. We can just quote it off the top of our heads. Here's the question. What on earth does that mean? And how is that helpful? And what do I do about that tomorrow when I walk out into my day? Love the... It sounds amazing. It sounds like something that should be on your fridge, on the back of the toilet door, for you to study as you sit on the throne. So what makes something the greatest? Well, obviously up front, for something to be greatest, it presumes a comparison, right? Between this thing and other things. And to say something is greatest means it is, when you compare it to all other things, it's the one thing that sticks above all else. So I'd like to conduct a survey this morning if I could. Now, please don't be difficult if I can ask you this. If I had to compare between bar ones and crunchies, and you have to pick between the two, can I see a show of hands for the bar ones? Okay, and the crunchies? What? I thought crunchy would kill. Oh, the crunchy people are putting up two hands. <laughs> you. Okay, Biltong or Drive Horse? Biltong? Biltong? Biltong. Drive Horse? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, on holiday, the bush or the beach? Bush? The, be- <laughs> the beach? Yeah, typical volleys, yokes. <laughs> hey? Guys, can I, make a, can I make a confession? But you can't judge me for this and we'll delete this from the sermon before we post it online. Because I come from KZN. We used to call it the rock slide when you guys came down. That all of the rocks. <laughs> We're like, yeah, come all the rocks sliding down the hill. Let's get out of town. <laughs> anyway. But the truth is, guys, like when, you, when we look at all of this sort of stuff, there's this, we live our lives based on these, I have to make choices, right? When you go shopping. When Cindy goes shopping, she buys the bare essentials. Like, that's her thing. She has a budget. She buys exactly according to the list. When I go shopping, I would spend probably more than Cindy and fully come home with some of the stuff that, well, I leave stuff that I was meant to bring home home. But in its place is awesome, fun things, which are probably incredibly bad for your health. And, all. and the kids are always like, who went shopping? Mom, okay, great. Who went shopping? Dad, what did you get for me? You know? <laughs> And there's these, and in life we live with these comparisons. And Jesus makes this very interesting statement when he's asked about what is the greatest commandment. And it's an interesting question, guys, because we don't often talk about something being the greatest commandment or the best commandment, right? That's not a, that's not a thing that we would talk about in day to day. If you think about it, if I said to you, what is the greatest law in South Africa? What's the great? I know, I know a bunch of you guys would say the worst law is the speed limit. I know. Hey, Ash, and other people. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst law. The, the first one we'd like to abolish. You know? Freedom of speech. If you think about the last couple of years, guys ranting and guys, is freedom of speech the greatest law that we can get to say and to express ourselves in however we want? 
Do not, do not commit murder. Do not commit theft or whatever. It's, it's a weird question, right, to go, what is the greatest law? What is the greatest um, thing in, the, in, in our country? What about in the church? What's the greatest law or commandment in the church? Now, Jesus, now, cheat codes, right? We know what it is here. But you know what I see? I see things like, put your best foot forward. I see, don't you dare sin. I see, keep it together and don't, don't stuff it up. I see, though, I'm not talking about what we say, guys. I'm talking when you walk into it, what is the greatest commandment? And the greatest commandment is what Jesus says the greatest commandment is. And the greatest commandment means that all other commandments, and we'll get to it in a moment, pale in comparison to it, and it's the thing you do first. But what I'm beginning to see in the church, guys, is that the greatest commandment is the one that we have to earn. Lebs and I were just talking about it now during communion. And saying, like, it's so sad that love has become a thing that is earned or... Um, worked towards or somehow found rather than like Lance said this morning around communion, given freely. The greatest commandment. In Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I'd like to make three quick comments, and then we'll break it up, make it applicable, land the airplane, and then go love Joburg and each other and food and all the amazing things. So the first thing about this being, if it's the greatest commandment, right, means that, like Jesus said, it encompasses everything else. Right? It is the thing... That if you accomplish this thing or do this one thing, you will automatically, by default, by mistake, accomplish all the other things. If you do this one thing. It's amazing to me how, and this is more for mature Christians than, than young believers, but it's a trap for young, young believers. This is sitting in front of you. But when I talk to mature Christians, how complex their faith has become. Lance was saying, thank you, Lord, for how simple salvation is. That somehow as we mature, now all of a sudden, like, did you ever watch that, like, American Ninja thing where they, people were trying to run through, like, some sort of crazy obstacle course and jump and flick-flack and stuff? Most of us couldn't have done the first little ladder thing, and they put timers on it and whatever. And some of us have got this picture that our faith, if I, if I know more, if I, just, if I just knew my Bible more, if I just prayed more, if I just understood more, Hakey preached a while ago during um, Ecclesi uh, not Ecclesiastes, was it Ecclesiastes, the one with the big box? With the big, and we're like, if I just understood the big yellow box, now it works. If I knew all of that stuff, I'd be a good Christian. If I, and it's like I want to get a PhD in Christianity. If I'm, if I'm clever, Graham always tunes me about that at home group. Like, dude, your Bible, it's a different Bible to my Bible. Your Bible's weird. It talks. But friends, Jesus is saying this. It's not about being clever. If you do this one thing, it encompasses everything. And it's so sad because I think it's the one thing that doesn't happen. It's the thing that we are so desperate for and the world is so desperate for. 
but it's almost made to be earned. We're not learning about a set of rules, friend. We're learning about a person and getting to know a person, and they want to get to know us. So it's not an intellectual exercise. So firstly, it encompasses all other laws. And if it encompasses and it's the greatest, secondly then, it should be the one that we are doing first. This is the one thing that we cannot afford to forget. We can forget everything else about our faith, but it's the one thing we cannot forget. And it is the thing we should always do first. It was Comrades Marathon a while ago. I love the fact that the guy who won was a car guard from Messina. I think it was a car guard? No. Security guard. That was a security guard from Messina one. Beautiful. Awesome. It's a beautiful country. Like, go for it. You know, you can do it. But can you imagine how chaotic the Comrades Marathon would be if, if we said this? You can all start wherever you want to start. The point is, it's the first guy to get to Durban. I don't think anyone would start in Maritzburg. They'd start in Durban. <laughs> no, I would. <laughs> or Belito. It would be like really close by. And what Jesus is saying is that through this, nothing in our Christian experience makes sense. Nothing. You cannot work together. The church cannot have synchronicity. The race can't go. The, none of it makes sense unless we start at the starting line, the common starting line for everything, which is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you don't get that right, none of it makes sense. When you look at the Comrades Marathon, they've got water along the way. It's great. You, can, you don't have to carry all that water. When you head on out, we've said this before, but when you head on out to the Comrades Marathon, you don't take all the water with you for the whole race. You wouldn't get three meters and fall over. But because it's the race and it's been set out, there's refreshments along the way to get you to Durban. But if we're all starting in, you know, start in the bushes somewhere in Drummond or somewhere in uh, all those words that they say during the Comrades Marathon, no one knows where, knows where it is, you know, Drummond and Cowies Hill and those big... Whatever, you start in one of those places in the middle of nowhere, Polly Shorts, I thought that was a person when I was growing up. You know? It's like, he always wins. He always wins, comrades. Anyway, go, Polly. Anyway. <laughs> but because we start with the greatest command, we start in the right place, there is everything we need to complete the race. But if we pick our own departure point, friends, there won't be refreshment. And there'll be all the stuff in the bushes that wants to eat you on the way there. This is Africa. We have a veneer of civilization. But underneath, you know, it's wild. It's the thing we should be doing first. And then thirdly, so the first thing is it encompasses everything. It's the thing we should do first. And the third thing is this. It should be my primary filter for every experience in my life. The primary filter, the first filter that I run things through, it makes everything make sense. If loving God with everything, heart, soul, and mind, and loving my neighbor as myself is my departure point, friends, life, it's really hard, just letting you know, but it's also really simple. I was spending some time with some of the young guys on Friday night. We were talking about this. And they said, what do I do if someone offends me? 
by mistake, but it really hurts. I was like, that's, that's, that's kindergarten stuff. Let's, let's talk real stories. What do you do if someone is literally trying to take you out? Someone's trying to hurt you because they hate you. What do you do about that? Well, it's, when I look at the greatest commandments, it's this. So Frankie's trying to take me out, let's say. You're not Frankie, but you know what I'm saying. So Frankie's having a go. Yeah. As there is a reason why people lash out. And if I love people, I understand most of the time, all the time, it's out of their brokenness. And I'm, I can't hold it against them. Because I love Jesus, and I know that he's the only one who can bring change. And I also love them. And so I've got margin to understand. Say what you want to say. Do what you need to do. Jesus loves me. I'm safe in him. But I'm not going to hold this thing against you. Look at what Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Now they knew. When I knew we were sitting hammers. Dunk, 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 dunk. But all their anger and all their rage and all, their, all that stuff that was wound up in the moment. I wonder how many of them went home. And had moments of incredible regret. Caught up in the mob violence of that moment. And Jesus understood it. And friends, easily offendable. Easily hurt. Like eggshell skull. We can't, we're the church of Jesus Christ. And when we lose sight of this, then what I do is I start to defend my rights against people. And I start to fight for my thing. And you didn't do this. And you said that. And he did this. And you. How do we reach a world if that's our heart? Because Jesus didn't say, go to the nice people. who are going to give you a hug and invite you in for tea and make disciples of them. He said to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And all nations sometimes are. And people are tricky. My departure point. It's my primary filter. It's like if we ensure that we plant the tree of love, water it and grow it, then we will experience all the fruits of that tree. But if we don't, we are doomed to borrow apple cores from those who have the tree or steal apples off their trees. When I've planted that tree of love for God and for others, I live with the fruits of that thing. Freedom, not getting offended, not getting hurt, being able to love others. To know Jesus, to stay free when that tree is firmly planted. But if I'm obsessed with, I want all of the results, but I don't want to plant that tree. What I do is I come on Sunday and you steal some of my apples while I'm preaching. Maybe you spend time with your home group leader and at home group you grab some of their little apple cores so that you've got something for yourself. Living like orphans and paupers instead of doing the thing that Jesus called us to do first, the greatest command. Plant your own tree. Water your own tree. Okay. It's one of those really like fun, sparky sermons. Everyone's like, yay! That was amazing. 
So I'd like to just quickly talk about loving Jesus, loving people, and then land. So 1 Corinthians 13. Let's have a look. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, and it's not self-seeking. It isn't easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, it's so easy for us to look at that and go, I can't. I spent some time with, we spent some time with um, some friends recently. And one of the partners in the, in the marriage was saying, I just don't want him anymore. choice and friends it's so easy to read this and go this is uh, this is unobtainable no Jesus says it's everything if you don't have that you have nothing the words you say to people the counseling the encouragement the prophetic words the power of God healing encouragement teaching whatever means nothing if that is not the main thing. Friends, this is, it's so hard because I look at that and I'm like, please, can it be something else? Please, anything else. This is so hard. But until we come back to the central message of the gospel, friends, church isn't going to be effective. And we're going to splinter. We're not going to be able to stand. Loving Jesus with all three. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many of us think that the supernatural gifting, if I could raise the dead and heal people, Jesus goes, it means nothing. There's no love. What happens if I could teach and disciple people? No love, it means nothing. What happens if you gave away everything? You were like the next Mother Teresa on steroids. It's like a really buff Mother Teresa. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing, friends. That, that is the, the craziness of this. 
So when we evaluate, when you stand before God and you evaluate your heart, and I evaluate my heart, love is the way I evaluate. Do I love? I spent some time with a buddy this week, and he was telling me, you know, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I feel this, and I feel that, and I feel all these things. And he's like, I don't feel love. So I'm like, okay, let's start. love is not a feeling. So let's look at your life. Why are you doing that thing? Why are you doing this thing? Why are you doing this thing? And he realizes, it's because I love people, and I love Jesus. That's the bottom line. I'm like, exactly. You do love. But it's the filter through which we have to run our lives. So quickly, let's look at our hearts. Loving Jesus, friends, is not a theological exercise. Right? It's a decision, but it's not a theological exercise. I spent time with a guy this week who told me that, well, anyway, I'm not going to mention. But anyway, he, like for him, it's like he wants this experience. But when it comes to love, it's just not there at all. He's isolated himself. He's out of church. He's just miles away from anybody. And the reason is because love's off the table. And I said to him, even if you find what you're looking for, if you find that supernatural thing that you are looking for in your journey, the moment you get hold of it, Jesus is going to go, it means nothing because there's no love. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. Our feelings follow our decisions, and they give rise to action. It's a choice that we make to love. That's how we mature, friends. Because I choose love, and it's not easy, but in that, God allows me to change and be transformed. The second thing, it talks about loving Jesus with all our heart. Second thing is loving Jesus with all of our soul. It talks about our ambitions. Our soul speaks about our humanity. That I dream about seeing what He is building extended in the earth. And that I understand that my gifts, talents, possessions, relationships, and opportunities are both from Him and for Him. It's amazing how if you settle that love issue when you walk out the door tomorrow morning into your business, into your relationships, into with whatever God's put in your hand, Life is just simplified because it has a purpose. It's not just this meaningless wandering around the universe, wandering around the planet. Loving Him with all my soul. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. What do you want to do? Thank you for my gifts and my talents. Thank you for whatever, you, whatever you've entrusted to me. And the third thing is love Him with all of our mind. This speaks of our, our thought life. And it's interesting to me that, you know, so often we can say, well, I'm not an intellectual or I'm not a... But when you meet somebody that you love, you think about them. They are... Who sung You Are Always On My Mind? You are always on my mind. Albert and then the Pet Shop Boys. Okay. It was good enough to do a cover. What was the better version? Probably the Pet Shop Boys. It's like Disturbed's version of Sound of Silence is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But guys, it, it's interesting to me that when I love someone, they are not just in my heart. They are also always on my mind. 
And friends, Jesus wants to be on our mind. He wants to be there. And he wants to, the scripture talks about, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants to come in and take where it's been broken and manipulated and hurt and twisted by society. And he wants to pour in a love and let us experience him in a way, like Bruce was singing this morning, like experience him in a way that is so pure and so without a hook in it that we are healed as we stay in that space. And we don't walk into our life looking for approval from people and looking for stuff from people and looking for them to kind of fill the gaps, especially not in our marriages. Because Cindy's got enough of her own baggage without having to deal with all of mine. She hasn't much baggage. I've got lots more. <laughs> and she's got enough that she doesn't. Cindy was never designed for me to lean on her. Can I be honest just to the guys for a second? I want to always be on Cindy's mind. I want her to be thinking about me 24-7. Yes. Dreaming about me, you know. But she's not always on my mind. But there is one on whose mind I always am. And that is Jesus. I am always on his mind. And he always wants to be on my mind. These are not concepts. Jesus is saying this. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. This is, if we get this right, everything just flows from here. It encompasses everything else. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why the caveats? Why not just love your neighbor? Why does he say... Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what's the difference between how I love others and how I love me? One word, context. See, when it comes to me, I can flip out, but I didn't really mean it. I was just angry. I understood why. But when you flipped out, you're an idiot. When it's me, I really wanted to do it, I, I, but I forgot. You know, I forgot. I'm just, I'm human. But when you forgot, you don't love me. I was going to do it. Take out the bin. <laughs> but the bin hid. <laughs> Guys, I'm not kidding. We have a demon-possessed bin. It hides. It creeps into dark corners where I can't... JJ, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the thing just hides. And I, I go looking for it, but sometimes I wanted to take the bin, but it was hiding. All Cindy hears is like, you don't love me. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. I'm like Jesus, you know? That's on the negative side. But what about on the positive side, guys? When it comes to me, I... There are times when it costs so much to love, and I choose to do it. And you know when it lands? Whoever it lands with, they, they're like, thanks, if you're lucky. But it's like just, oh, of course, presume, you should, you have to. There are times when I do my absolute best, and it's received as what? Just whatever. 
here's the thing that Jesus says. What if you flipped it? What if you received everything that people did from you as their best that cost us so much? How would you treat them? If someone dropped off a meal with you, they were doing their best, and it cost them so much. If someone greeted you in the morning, there's this guy, let you know, there's this guy, and I don't know if he's listening. But there's this guy who sends me a Facebook little scripture thing every morning on Facebook Messenger. And if I'm being honest with you, for the first little while, I was like, Do you know what I've done? And I'm, I'm not trying to be like a sanctified saint because you guys know me enough that I'm not. I was like, you know what? This guy barely knows me and he took the time. So I prayed. I said, God, I'm taking this as a word from you every day. I'm going to read it and I'm going to be pastored by this thing and encouraged. I don't always look forward to it. Like med- medicine, you know. But it's a choice. Someone chose to add me to whatever they were doing. Now, I know that we can go way too far and spam, and I get it. But what if this is someone, I don't know the guy. What if he's sitting at home somewhere, he doesn't have a whole lot of outs, doesn't have a whole lot of people, but he feels like what he's doing is reaching out to people in that way. I'm going to honor him for that. I'm going to love him as I love myself. When someone hurts you, there's a reason. When someone disappoints you, there's a reason. And what Jesus is saying is presume to give them the same space that you would give yourself. Presume the best. This is the departure point, friends. Hey? Is it any wonder why the church gets so confused and so all over the car park? Because the Christian life makes no sense unless this is the departure point. Because how does a group of people like this who come from so many different tribes, nation, tongue, background, churches, cities, how do, we, how do we fit together and do and accomplish anything for Christ? When we all depart from the one thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because this is how Jesus loved us. This is how Jesus loved us. Unconditionally. He saw us in our brokenness and our sin, realized we were helpless, and gave his life. So much so that we killed him. He didn't just give his life willy-nilly, but he came and we killed him. And he used that thing to redeem us. These are some big things we've been talking about. Can we bow our heads and then throw the ball back to Duff? Friends, this Enrich series isn't for sissies. Not that the Bible's ever for sissies, right? It's like it's... What I mean by that is there's a reality to what we're talking about today. And if any of us are going to walk out here and go, I'm going to do this in my own strength, you're going to fall apart by about 12 o'clock, if you're lucky. There's a reason Jesus said to the disciples, go into the upper room at Pentecost and wait until the Holy Spirit comes in you, because when you are with him, you will receive power to be his witnesses. We cannot do this thing in our own strength. And I trust that God's been all up in our grill this morning. I, you know, prepping a sermon like this, you feel like you've been 15 rounds with the grizzly bear. Because I'm like, Lord, I'm so disqualified. Because I, 
I want to love you. I want to have you always on my mind. Lord, I want to love people like you love them, but I get frustrated sometimes. But the thing is, I want to, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Center Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Center Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.